Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and we have made it through Series 12, Doctor Who, the 2020 series. We're intact. Not sure about sanity, but we are here. And who are we? Again, Kyle Jones. And welcome back, as always. And this week, I'm going to start with Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm I'm a little brought down about... uh coronavirus things and um you know for a lot of people in the world this is a a disaster and uh so my heart goes out to them but yeah i'm afraid that's what's on my mind tonight so i can't say i'm great like i usually do (laughs) but uh you know well hanging in there well i'll follow up and say i'm glad you're here and i am glad that you brought that up because that is something that i'm sure if you're listening to this as it goes out in 2020, this is March 2020. If you're listening to us, when we actually drop the podcast, this is something on everyone's mind. And for any of our listeners who have been impacted by this, wherever you live in the country, our thoughts, our prayers, our best wishes go out to you. You're here. So that being said, I also want to say welcome back, Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? Hey, man, I'm doing about as well as I could be, man. I can't <laughs> complain too much. And, you know, just uh, like you said, hearts and minds to each and every person out there. And, yeah, man, just watching what's going on. And I hope it gets better sooner than later. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, guys, I don't have anything in the news for this particular episode, but I do have a lot of feedback. And the feedback is around episode 187, our review of the Timeless Children. I say, let's get into some feedback. And for everyone listening, if you're wondering what we're talking about on this episode, we are giving some thoughts about series 12 in its entirety. But I also want to pose another question to the gentleman on this podcast with me after we get through the feedback, because I'm having some problems, and I hope you guys can help me get through and kind of wade through Uh my issue. Fascinating. Interesting. (laughs) Let's start out with the one and the only, our friend, Dave Cooper. Dave sends a message, and he says, Hey, Kyle, still listening to episode 187, but Clarence just said 50 minutes in that maybe Jack was warning that giving the Siberium to the Master would make him invincible. Well, it didn't make the lone Cyberman invincible, did it? The Siberium left that body to protect itself when the Master used the tissue gun thing. Mm-hmm. Good good yeah. point. Good yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, great point. Very really good is. Point. And as always, we appreciate anything from the one, the only, Dave Cooper. So the next one comes from our Facebook page, and it is from another one and only. I'm just going to keep going with the one and onlys here. Our friend, (laughs) Nicole, she sends a note that says that she's thinking that Tecteum might be the doctor's quote-unquote mother, that we mm. see in the end of time, not the Ooh. same actress, of course, but right. maybe the same character, unless the doctor yeah. had different mothers when they were re- quote unquote reset. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What do you and, guys think about that? Yeah, this is uh, the mighty Nicole brain at work. And that would be a retcon, of course, because I, I have no reason to believe that anybody planned this in advance. But what a lovely retcon that would be. Yeah. To, to have actually 
seeded that way back then. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, I just want to go real quick back to Dave's comment and maybe just talk about how I hope the Siberium comes up again, because I think it's a really cool concept that they really didn't flesh out fully. If they did flesh it out to the extent they were going to do, to me, it was kind of underused. So I, I want to see it come back and see what mischief that can cause going forward in the future. <laughs> yeah, which will be lots. <laughs> and I like the concept of liquid metal. Something about that just sounds uh, cool. Not liquid metal, liquid computers. You know, oh, me- yeah. liquid metal computers. Something about that's just mm. cool to me. The master's made of liquid metal. Yes. Oh, and by the way, the Discussing Who page responded to Nicole that said, Kyle is having issues with this. (laughs) And Kyle really is having issues with this, but but we'll get to it in just a moment. (laughs) So our next bit of feedback is some audio feedback from our friend Matthew. So we will be back right after some feedback from Matthew. Hi guys, it's Matthew. Just wanted to uh, uh, give my thoughts on this year's uh, season finale of Doctor Who. Uh, I'm sure it's the type of episode many will uh, really enjoy and many will probably hate because of the uh, the retcons uh, to uh, to the Doctor Who story we know. Uh, but uh, as for me, uh, I really didn't fall into either of those camps. Uh, I was actually very uh, bored with it, to be honest with you. And uh, the reason why is because this episode really um, uh, really got into the type of uh, storytelling uh, just as a general uh, uh, concept in fiction that I really dislike, which is the whole uh, everything you know is wrong storytelling. And then plus it also got into some areas of the Doctor Who lore that that I really don't care anything about, to be honest. Um, First off, uh, the whole everything you know is wrong. Uh, I never like that type of storytelling because it feels uh, like a cheat. It's uh, it's a way to uh, shake up the show by just going against everything or changing things that have been established uh, thus far on purpose. And it's especially annoying. And it's one thing when uh, when we the, we're revealed information that the character knew, but the audience didn't know. Like for example, the war doctor. But it really just annoys me when we reveal information that uh, neither the audience nor the character knows. So it's a whole secret past of the Doctor that the Doctor was never aware of. And uh, it just feels really, uh, it feels like a a cheap way to do things. It feels too easy um, to just say, well, whatever you've been told before is not true. It's all a lie. And it also, to me, sort of makes it harder to get invested in the story because if everything we've been told before now is a lie, then how can we trust that what we're being told now is not a lie? So, uh, and especially in this case, too, they've, they've already kind of uh, laid that out a little bit because even though they, you know, established the story of the timeless child in the Matrix and, and you know, we can apparently... Uh, trust that that is is accurate the connection between the timeless child and the doctor is made by the master 
And so, you know, can we trust that the master is telling us the truth? I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a future writer will come along and say that's not the case. Um, secondly, uh, as relates specifically to Doctor Who, uh, I don't like how this uh, changes the, uh, the type of character the Doctor is, or rather, I don't like how this uh, frames the Doctor as a character for future stories. The type of doctor uh, characterization that I enjoy is the doctor as uh, someone who was um, uh, a member of a society who decided to rebel against that society, left it behind to go off and, and, and do his own or in the current incarnation, her own thing. You know, someone who's, who's a rebel but is who is relatively... Uh, Ordinary. I mean, yes, the Doctor is incredibly smart. Yes, the Doctor has certain Time Lord abilities. But the Doctor is not uh, a god. The Doctor is a, uh, a being. And this kind of leans into the uh, godlike Doctor, you know, where we've built, we're introducing this backstory of uh, the Doctor as a character who existed uh, heretofore unknown. The Doctor who is... Uh, although uh, not uh, actively, but through manipulation, responsible for so uh, so many of the cornerstones of uh, the Time Lords. The whole regeneration is due to the Doctor. Every Time Lord has the Doctor's DNA. And I never like when the Doctor is, uh, is made out to be something, uh, uh, you know, sort of, some sort of cosmic, Super being, I never liked it in uh, the Moffat years when uh, when uh, the Doctor was so well known across space and time that the mere mention of the Doctor's name would cause uh, would cause uh, people to tremble. You know, I hated that whole aspect of uh, of the Doctor's characterization. And so, um, as we're introducing this new level of the Doctor being a, a figure of even greater cosmic import. Uh, that does not interest me at all. That's not at all what I want in the type of stories uh, that I go to watch Doctor Who for. And then, uh, lastly, uh, is is the whole uh, navel gazing aspect of of when you delve into the past like this and, and reframing the past or even uh, changing the past or what we understand about the past. It becomes also uh, insular. And it all is all about uh, the Time Lords and the Time Lord uh, society and the Time Lord, uh, their legends about themselves. And, and I hate all that stuff. Uh, it totally bores me to death. Uh, when I got into Doctor Who, I got in early in the RTD era where, uh, where Gallifrey and, uh, and the Time Lords uh, were rarely, if ever, mentioned. And as I started going back and watching the classic series because of, because I was enjoying the new stuff so much, I really found myself drawn to the earliest stories, especially the first Doctor. And I really loved um, the fact that we knew nothing about him, nothing about his people, nothing about his past. And I just thought that was, uh, you know, such a great way to, uh, you know, to have a, a character that you build the show around. And, uh, and, and I, as I watched through the show, I, I kind of felt uh, that it was a mistake 
to introduce the Time Lords and introduce Gallifrey as we got into uh, Second, Third Doctor and beyond, and especially a mistake, you know, to see so much of Gallifrey in the Fourth Doctor's era. So as uh, as you know, this episode was rolling along when we got into the Matrix and all this exposition about uh, about the Timeless Child and all that. To be honest, I was completely bored to tears. I kept looking at my watch, you know, wondering how much longer this episode is going to last. Will it please end? I totally lost all interest in what was happening uh, with uh, with the whole Cybermen plot. And, and frankly, I was surprised that I would reach that point, you know, when uh, Sasha Dewan is on screen, who I think is one of the best masters we ever had. I absolutely love his character. But even he just could not kindle any interest in me and what was happening on screen in those moments so uh you know uh, all i can say is uh i thought it was a uh, disappointing end for me to what had previously been a strong season uh the good news is is they've gotten that out of the way i just hope that uh now we don't get storylines uh you know sort of pulling the ruth gag again where where we now meet uh previous doctors we didn't know about and that the doctor doesn't remember being or you know the doctor is on some sort of quest to uncover you know hidden secrets of uh you know the time lords trying to figure out what was all in that information that was erased from the matrix i hope we don't get any of that uh the one uh, ray of sunshine for me in this episode was at the very end uh, when we see that the daleks are coming back i'm always up for a dalek story and so I'll be uh, looking forward to uh, to uh, Christmas or New Year's or whenever we get the next special and really hoping it uh, washes the taste of this one out of my mouth and, uh, and uh, gives us something exciting and interesting and something that pushes forward and doesn't try to uh, mine the past or even create a new past to mine, something that rather looks forward and uh, gives us uh, new adventures uh, with the Doctor out in the universe and less of Gallifrey, less of the Time Lords, and, and more of the Doctor out doing new things. Thanks, guys. We are back from Matthew's feedback. Interesting. Matthew got bored in The Timeless Child. I find that really, really interesting because Matthew is a diehard Doctor Who fan and he got bored with it. Thoughts? Well, well, he state his dislove of Gallifrey and every time we go there, which I do get it because every time we do go there is some big crazy event. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, to me, it's core to the doctor to see that from time to time, but I can definitely see if through the new Hoovian years, it kind of wore thin on you. So, well, regardless, and I, and I agree, and I can see what you just said, Clarence, yeah. but it is always cool to get some feedback from Matthew. Indeed. So let's keep going with the feedback. I think we're on a roll here. Yeah. So we've got my next bit of feedback comes from the person who was nice enough to continue sending us feedback after I butchered their Twitter handle on last episode. <laughs> this is not Alonzi Alonzo. Thank it? you, Lee Shackelford. I was hoping that you would jump in at this very moment and do that. So I asked the question, 
that were you happy with what happened to you know the doctor in the timeless children and the response is yes i'm happy that the doctor is more than than we and she thought possibilities are endless my heart broke for her her foster mother probably killed her over and over i always loved jody but now i worship her thought that was cool yeah also went on to tweet us that said, I'm a bit disappointed, however, in using Tien's catchphrase. And then goes on to say that they love the podcast, especially when you mention how Marvel and DC reinvent themselves. So once again, and Lee yeah. Shackelford, give me that Twitter handle. Alonzi Alonzo. That was very cool feedback. Yeah. yeah and, and speaking on the doctor being killed over and over by a tech team. I didn't even catch that while the episode was going on. I guess it just didn't register in my head. No, when, no. When, yeah, Lee, when you pointed it out, I was like, no. Well, was, Kyle that. pointed that out. And yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was admiring yeah. how that was handled visually. You know, we had this slow pan around the room. Mm. And every time something would block our view of the child, it would be replaced. You know, he, she would be replaced by a different child. But mm. Kyle's right. What's happening in between? She's <laughs> killing he them. Must have died somehow. Yeah, clumsy doctor. Yeah, told you to quit eating that pudding. Exactly. So the next one comes in with a nod in agreement. It's the person says, finding myself nodding in agreement with at Lee Shackelford. Read that that canon isn't broken. So Lee, you had a nod in agreement. Yeah, I guess uh, because. Um, we had talked about this back when we reviewed uh, the brain of Morbius, that there is this moment where we see what appears to be doctors before what we call the first doctor. And we've retconned that now to say, well, those were Morbius's past lives. Mm -hmm. But no, but actually the dialogue says that Morbius is saying, you know, how long have you lived, doctor? Yeah. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> and it's funny because I've, I've been hearing different opinions on this, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But um, our friends over at Cultum Collective, I don't think they liked it very much. <laughs> and I've, I heard comments of them mentioning the fact that they tied this episode or that episode or that arc into this current new Whovian season. I don't, I don't know if they were too happy with that. So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't say it's a good idea. I just say that. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's what that seems to be connected to. But. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I love it though. I it's, mean, it's fun. yeah, I thought it was great. All right. So this particular bit of feedback comes from the Twitter handle at Mark Cockrum, and this gentleman, I believe, is also in the UK, and he is. I'm going to assume from somewhere called Evertonian. So. Mm -hmm. I wish him well and say thank you again for sending us feedback. And he has gone on to say about three hours ago, just saw this. So just now seeing this, I very much enjoy listening to you guys. I am always happy when a new episode appears in my podcast out. Oh, cool. That is very cool. Yeah. yeah. Gentlemen, last bit of feedback that I want to give is from Kyle. And it is to the two of you. I always listen to the episodes after they go out because I want to hear what other people, you know, are actually listening. So whenever it drops, probably the next day, I will listen to it. I think I've enjoyed listening to this past episode more than any that I can remember in recent past. 
And I found myself laughing at us. So <laughs> I, you could tell we were having fun. So kudos yeah. to you too, because you helped make that happen. And that was very cool. Well, I could, I could say right back at you because I, I did. I, I, I texted you this uh, right after I, I, I heard it that I can't remember when I've had so much fun listening to an episode of our show. Uh, we, we did, we certainly didn't let it get us down. No. <laughs> My childhood is ruined. <laughs> there you go. So speaking of childhoods being ruined, the oh, good segue. Yes. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I can't wait. The BBC has actually responded to some of uh, the negative criticism that they have received about this. So I want to segue into where I said that I'm having an issue and read this first. So here is the BBC's response, and it goes as follows. Doctor Who is a beloved, long-running series, and we understand that some people will feel attached to a particular idea they have of the Doctor or that they enjoy certain aspects of the program more than others. Opinions are strong. We wholeheartedly support the creative freedom of the writers, and we feel that creating an origin story is a staple of science fiction writing. What was written does not alter the flow of stories from William Hartnell's brilliant Doctor onward. It just adds new layers and possibilities to this ongoing saga. We have also received many positive reactions to the episode's cliffhanger. There are still a lot of questions to be answered, and we hope that you will come back and join us to see what happened. But we appreciate that it's impossible to please all of our viewers all of the time, and your feedback has been raised with the program's executive producer. Any thoughts? Hmm. Yeah, I need to find that on on paper on a screen somewhere and read that, because I'm sure that the niceties of the language are important, and I, I'm not sure I got that uh, just hearing it. Uh, it, it it's, it's kind of a, yeah, we hear you. Get over it. <laughs> I mean, does that is that how it sounds? To That's you? how it's I took it. A, it is uh, like get a, you know, it, it's ours. It's not yours. Get over it. Yeah. And we're going to do what we oh, want to do. Oh wow! So you think it was a little antagonistic, Kyle? I kind of took, or it at that least way. defensive. Just yeah, sort of, yeah. Hey, it's our show, which of course it is. Hmm. <sighs> it all depends on where your opinion of this episode falls on. How <laughs> you feel about well, this statement? <laughs> True enough. You can't please everybody, so they didn't lie about that. Definitely do something so radical with something that someone has known for so many years. Uh, and we, we talked about this a good bit last week. The show was always being reinvented, but this one is a doozy. I will admit that this one is a doozy. So yeah, definitely something that could potentially part the fan base. Yeah. Now that you've had a week, a little bit over a week, actually, to think about this revelation has it changed your appreciation your view your connection to the show for me not at all not at all i I still hold firm to what i said you know a week ago that i love this and i love the fact that it opens doors to the character, not only to the character, but to the actors, you know, we've been such a pigeonhole of who an actor could be for Doctor Who up until we got Jody, And now it's just like infinite possibilities, which, you know, we talked about last week. But, you know, I think it just makes it more relatable to a bigger part of the audience that's watching the show. But definitely I can see why people would see this and be like, you're destroying something we have that has pretty much been the same 
up until the last two seasons. So, yeah. yeah. It is not um, – it's changing things, but it's not ruining them. Does that make sense? I, I really want to know what's going to happen next. Okay. But, but it certainly not, you know, makes me want to turn my back on the show. Well, so here's my problem. Remember I said at the beginning that I had a problem. And I said mm-hmm. last week that you, Lee, saved me from having this meltdown because it did connect to the Morbius doctors. And I do like the concept of the timeless child. I would go so far as to argue that I wish they would have revealed that maybe Rassilon or someone else was the timeless child and left the doctor intact. I don't dis, you know, don't disagree or don't dislike the concept. I maybe have an issue with the execution and where that realization came to me from was a, I've been thinking a lot recently about my connection to Doctor Who, for one thing. And over the years, specifically in the last, say, 2013, 2014 forward, my go-to, if I can't watch something on TV or if I can't find something to watch, I would pull out Doctor Who and put, you know, Mm -hmm. that was my go-to of when I put something on whenever I couldn't find anything else to watch. I couldn't find anything to watch Saturday afternoon. And I went to watch Doctor Who and didn't want to watch it. Mm, yes. Not, mm. not series 11, not, se- you know, not the current. I'm talking about, I was going to go watch classic mm. and I'm going through Brickbox and was like, had no interest in seeing it. Then I tried mm. to watch something from David Tennant or Matt Smith. I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. That was like huge for me. Yeah. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Is it because we hold that number, the sequence of doctors so dear in the fact that that's been shaken up? I mean, we hold it dear and also it's, it's promoted as being a huge thing or it has been through the years. Mm-hmm. So so is that the main thing that's throwing you off or is just this whole nother history we don't really know about? Mm. Lee, what do you think? I think that uh, a lot of us experience a fan fatigue and I'm not sure that this – the content of this last episode or even the debate around it has triggered the, has triggered this for you or created the circumstances for it. I just I just think it happens sometime. But people I know who uh, who know how much I love Sherlock Holmes, you know, I mean Sherlock Holmes has been a huge part of my life, you know, since I was a teenager. And and I dropped out of the the, the clubs and the correspondences and that that whole fan world and I I still have people that I knew from those days coming to me saying what happened to you? You know, <laughs> I just got tired of it. And I, I think, I think that just happens sometimes. Mm. But see, I don't, I, I don't think that's happening to me though. I still love the show. I mm-hmm. still am as passionate about it because I forced myself this evening about six thirty before we got ready to get on here. I watched the angels take Manhattan. I watched a little bit of The End of Time. I watched Journey's End. I watched a little bit of Time of the Doctor. I watched a little bit of The Name of the Doctor. I watched a little bit of The Day of the Doctor. Yeah. All because happier days. And it made me realize what my problem was. And I'm curious if you guys know what my problem is. (laughs) <laughs> or at least what you're now thinking your problem is because yes. to me that just sounds to me like you're just rubbing it in if you if you're feeling sick <laughs> of something that's a great way to make sure that to make sure you are 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's time to look at something else. I <laughs> that, that's that's my instinct. But but you got a diagnosis. Well, I have a diagnosis, but as we get into our recap of the series twelve, I think it may become perhaps abundantly clear what my problem is because I think I diagnose myself, self-diagnosis. Well, yeah, it's what we do. All right. Let's get into our kind of... Was that a tease? Was that a tease you're going to hold to the end? Yeah, I think it's going to be easily (laughs) figured out as we go through here. Let's say, what was your favorite episode of this series? Clarence Brown, why don't you start us off? Did you have a favorite episode of the series? Favorite episode. Mm. So this one is a weird one for me, and I think it's uh, Can You Hear Me? Actually, this this goes into one of my favorite things as well. But it's not so much the content of the storyline itself and the antagonists. I really think they're forgettable. I really don't care about them at all. But I do love the larger message that we get from this episode. And to me, for this season, it's the best. It's the best display of the companions. Um uh, we get to see uh, Yaz's backstory of her getting bullied and running away. We see Graham talking about Grace and his cancer. That's his fear. And, and, and Ryan's fear of his friends, leaving his friends. So I really loved that deep dive into these companions and what is going through their heads and their fears. So I really love that. And also, I mean, you have to talk about that moment that uh, many people hated, which I thought was just the perfect moment. And we've talked about this before, but that's when, when uh, Graham tells the doctor his fears and he really does. And she really doesn't have anything to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's stumped and that's us sometime, you know, instead of her just BSing him and just saying something she know he wanted to hear, she just really took a step back and said, you know, I don't know what to say, but it might come to me. <laughs> So, yeah, that's my favorite episode of the season. All right. Lee, what was your favorite episode? It's interesting. I I don't know if there's any one episode that I could just say I hold this up above the rest. But if I and and if I was going to do that, it would have to be the two parters. So I'm I'm going to say Spyfall. Is that cheating? Because that's. We make our own rules. Okay. And and as as the doctor once said, never tell me the rules. The rules. Exactly. And I've never been a big fan of growing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Spyfall for me, just uh, what a rollicking great adventure. And, of course, a, and a thrilling reveal at the end of part one. A fabulous cliffhanger. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's clear there is no way they're going to get out of this. And then they do. <laughs> and, Very bleakish. Uh, in a, yes. <laughs> right. I don't know. I just uh, I just had a lot of fun with it. Uh, with Stephen Fry as a bonus. He's one of my heroes. You know? Of course, they had to kill him anyway. But yeah, so how about you? Favorite right. episode of this series? All right. Favorite episode of this series would go to Fugitive of the Jadoon. <laughs> yeah. Because you just like saying it's Dune on the moon. <laughs> yes. In a platoon. Near that? Lagoon. In a lagoon. Yes. <laughs> I, I just loved it. This was the first one that I, and the only one this season that I found, found myself replaying over and over and over to the point to where I'm starting to be able to tell and say some of the lines with them. And this is the only episode since Chibnall took over that I could say that I am 
able to tell some of the lines and say some of the lines along with the character. So Fugitive of the Jadoon, and it introduced Joe Martin as the Doctor. Let me say before we move forward that this is something that changed canon and started that change. And I'm saying that this is my favorite episode. So that yeah. said, oh, yeah, good, good point. Yeah. let's yeah. say least <laughs> favorite episode. Clarence Brown, what was your least favorite episode? Hmm. Least favorite. Oh, man. Uh, I know the obvious answer that most of us are probably going to say. I'm trying not to cop out to the obvious. I guess it is the only one. I, uh, yeah. You want me to say you it for you? It's all said. Benny. Yeah. <laughs> Benny. Have you seen Benny? You just want to say that line. Thank this you. Is, this is be real here. Uh, I started to say it, but yeah. But it seems like it has the makings to be a pretty decent episode, but it just doesn't go places for me. And, and you know, one of the things I thought I was going to really like about the episode, and I forget the girl's name, uh, Ryan's crush, the, the daughter. Yeah. Um, Isabella, is that her name? I think so. I, I, yeah. I thought, yeah, I really liked her at first, and I thought this was going to be such a great episode. But the twist between her and the mother Really, it just didn't land. You talk about Chibnall landing with you, Kyle. Uh, mm-hmm. That twist, I know it was meant to be impactful, you know, that she's had this daughter and she's grown now and she don't even know who she is. And supposedly she's on this or 55 to do it all for her. You know, whatever. It yeah. it just doesn't, doesn't stick with me at all. I mean, ugh. <laughs> and, and she has no idea what she looks like. She she could be yeah. in the same room with her and have no idea that that's her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lee, what about you? Oh, War Orphan 55. Yeah. <laughs> question. Okay. There was one episode that I told a co-worker when they were saying, I want to, you know, watch series 12 and get caught up. Are there any that I can skip? And I said, Orphan 55. <laughs> you know, if, unless you want to be preached to about the environment. And he said, no, I don't. And I said, well, then please <laughs> skip Orphan 55 and save 50 minutes of your life. So. Which which is weird. I can I can take the preaching about the environment if it was still a decent episode, and to me it just fell in so many places. But I did. I will say. I will say. I like the blue haired guys, the the kid and the dad. They they were good. Yeah, they should be in a different episode. Indeed, (laughs) indeed. And and just for the sake of it, because there's no other reason for me to say it again, I want to say one last time. Have Mm. you seen Benny? Mm. And let that last time. Yeah. Let's move on and say, what was your favorite moment of Series 12? Did you have a favorite moment, one single oh. moment? Okay. We're, we're skipping a big list here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to save the list for last. Okay, good. very good. All right, so favorite moment. And Lee, I'll start with you this time. I, I was just uh, writing this in my uh, my little notes here. I I guess looking back across the whole series, it probably is the doctor's the montage of her mentally breaking out of the matrix. And again, that kind of feels like cheating because it's <laughs> made up of <laughs> clips from other episodes, but it was so artfully. I thought it was skillfully done. It was really exciting. And I loved having the theme under it like that. I just, yeah. I thought that was really uh, thrilling. And uh, so, yeah, maybe that, I guess that is my favorite moment of series 12. Not that there weren't some other great ones. So, all right, Clarence, what say you, what was your favorite moment? Yeah, uh, Lee, your your moment was about the connective tissue. Um, 
And so was mine because hands down, mine was the return of Captain Jack Harkness. <laughs> Why? He's always been my favorite character. Again, that connective tissue. But man, um, I've just been waiting to see some of the older characters come back from New Who. And then he's, he's definitely up there for me. And I hope that it's the first step to get more cameos. Bring them in for episode. You know, you don't have to stick with them, but you know, just. You know, let them drop through. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a special event. Just let them, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love Jack in this in this short clip we got and his warning of of the Lone Cyberman. So yeah, it has to be Jack Harkins for me. What about I, you, Cal? I will second that and say Jack is back was my favorite moment, and I really give props to the way it was executed because you heard his voice first. Mm-hmm. And you wasn't immediately seeing him. And the fact that you're going there thinking, yes, I know that voice. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's Jack. And then you see him. That that was very well executed. So that was, if I had to say, favorite moment of Series 12, that would be mine as well. So let's flip that. Least favorite moment of Series 12. And I'll go first on this one. Least favorite moment would have to be the master telling the doctor that she is the timeless child. That would be my <laughs> least favorite moment. At That's this the whole moment. episode. Yeah, oh, yeah, unfortunately. I don't, again, have a problem with the timeless child concept, but I may wind up one day loving it. But right now, I accept it. I understand that it's there. But that doesn't mean that I have to like it. I accept it, but mm-hmm. doesn't mean I have to like it and love it yet. I also know that if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have the Joe Martin Ruth doctor. And I love that mm-hmm. character. Can't have your cake and your whatever and eat it too. Or whatever. Ruth too. Yeah. yeah. Least favorite moment, Lee Shackleford. The sermon at the end of Orphan 55. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never before well that's not true i've never in uh jody whittaker's time said back to the tv screen really <laughs> yeah. clarence <laughs> let's let that episode die <laughs> just let it go uh my least favorite moment of the season had to be i can't remember if it was spy fall part one or two but the moment when Barton kills his mother. Yeah, that's in part two. Yeah. You know, I, it, it just made no sense to me. What? Uh-huh. Did, she didn't believe in him? Was that, you know, I guess yeah. that could get you upset, but, you know, killing your mother? Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just a, yeah, was that supposed to tell us he's the bad guy? We knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you might want to say it wasn't well written, perhaps. Mm, yeah. It just should have been cut out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> But I, yeah. All right. Why don't we go to, you know what? I could say hold out the suspense, but <laughs> I'm going to say let's let's end on a positive note. So okay. I, I'm going to go ahead and say top three things you did not like about Series 12. And let's start with number three. What was your number three item that you did not like about series 12 lee what was your number three of the top three things you did not like the long cyberman Interesting. I, I didn't i didn't think that character made any sense or difference i don't like the design of that costume i mean it's locutus it's 
except (laughs) I could write a book, but um, of why the Borg work and why the law and Cybermen doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. And even, and, including the aspect that the master calls him on, but then we get rid of him and, um, they're leaving us to say, well, what was that all about? I, I don't know. I just, I just didn't like anything about the lone Cyberman. I just, and it also, it, to me, it lessens Jack's warning or the whole purpose of Jack, because you, you bring him back, he gives this warning and, the lone Cyberman, as we see him, is reduced to a three-inch, two-inch toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, and in the process, the master ends up with the Siberium. So I guess. Eh. But anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I sense that your big beef is going to be with Chris Chibnall, and and I think <laughs> we kind of have to lay this on him too. Is that that was the big tease throughout this season? Well, that was one of the teases throughout this season, and I just don't. It it just didn't do anything for me. I hmm. I, I, I I I wanted to. I, I, it made me yearn for the days like in the second Doctor's time when the cyber leader has a human brain exposed through his clear plastic head. You know, <laughs> that's that's my idea of a cyber leader. So what you're saying is, back in the '60s when the budget was probably a less than ten percent, if that mm-hmm. less than five yeah, percent right, yeah. of what they, of what this budget is right. today. That that spoke to you more than what they did today. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> w- let's just kind of keep going on that route. Number three for you, Clarence Brown, things you did not like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many, how many, how fast can I say that? No, I think mine is going to be, um, I think this is the first time that I really felt like we had too many companions. Oh, yeah. And what what really sucks about that is the fact that I really love all of them. <laughs> and that might be part of my problem, um, that there's just not enough time to truly devote to to each of these characters while really maintaining a great story. And that's probably why I love the episode. Um, <clears throat> Can you hear me so much? Because we actually get a lot of them and, you know, we get bits and spurts out throughout the season where you see Yaz taking the lead and we see, you know, Graham uh, with his quips and the Ryan for the occasional jump up and down. Yeah, I did something cool, but <laughs> uh, I, well, we did get a lot of good Ryan moments in Praxis and I, I like that, but I just feel like there's too many companions that we can't really, uh, this might go back to Chibnall too, <laughs> flush out and develop, um, uh, these characters, which, uh, and I will admit, it seemed like last season we got way more of them. So that might be part of the problem. The balance kind of shifted, I think, to, to a bit of more of the doctor this season, which is a good thing. So I don't know. I think it's, you know, as we've, foreshadowed or, or talked about already it, it might be time to, <laughs> to to uh whittle it down just a little bit and do more focus on a great storyline for the companions all right so i'm going to take your number three in a slightly different direction mine was actually lack of connections with the companions meaning mm-hmm. i haven't and i think i've hinted at this before i've come out and said it I don't have a real connection with the companions and the actors are fantastic. I think the, the characters have potential, but I wasn't sad at all with the prospect of, hmm, they may be about to leave the show last episode. 
And I didn't connect with that. And I think that that's sad that they've been on the show for two series. And I was a puddle on the floor when Bill left. And I knew going in that she was only on there for 12 episodes. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And she would be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's my number three. Lee Shackelford, number two. What was your number two that you did not like? The Immortal Gods in Can You Hear Me? (laughs) I'm just, as I said when we reviewed that episode, I'm just sick to death of immortal gods who think that um, the human race is um, toy soldiers to play with. Seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it. And, um, and they, and to, to have, you know, seen the, uh, uh, the, as much history as they have, right? To have interacted with as many people as they have, they could still be fooled by a pretty simple trick. Yeah. Mm. So they're also kind of stupid. So yeah, it's a good thing they were not the principal focus of the episode as we were discussing, <laughs> but, but, but actually, but, uh, but the lives of the companions were a lot more interesting. So. Awesome. Even though I still don't know what the hell that whole thing about Yaz's backstory was about. But anyway. Yeah, it's <sighs> wasn't clear. It wasn't written very clear. No. <laughs> or, or, or it could be that they do that Yaz will be coming. Uh, Amanda Gill will be coming back and they are laying the seeds to well, flush it out next season. Oh, well, that's yeah. Uh, it's still not written very well. <laughs> no, just not written. Very well. But I do appreciate your attempt at positivity. Yes. Okay. So I am positive then, Clarence Brown, that I want to know, what was your number two thing that you did not like? Hmm. Mine is, I guess, is more about production than about the actual sh- the actual episode content. Cool. I'm and all that, about that. Let's go for it. And, and, and that's the, the lack of, um, well, there's so few episodes. And this is the second season we've had 10, but it's just over so quick. <laughs> and I know that's the how, pretty much how all shows are going this day to be 10, between 10 and 12 episodes. But it really feel like we blinked and it was over, you know, mm-hmm. mm. and, and then we have to wait for so long, so long. And I hate complaining about that because I know people have lives and they have to, you know, <laughs> you have to actually write the episodes. And yeah. However, however badly you might say, Cal, you have to write the episodes and produce in locations. And then we got this virus going on now. So it'll tell them how long the next, Mm. the next season will actually come out. So that's a good point. You know, it's funny when you said a word and I want to focus on a word that you just said just a moment ago, you said something like, you know, you blink and and it's gone. Mm. Right. I remember. We didn't take our own advice. Yeah. Well, you know, I I want to take it. Uh, kind of like be real with it, like realistic. I think I remember that there was a episode of Doctor Who written by someone else that was written within like a day. And they thought that this was, you know, this story that nobody would connect with. And it won all these awards. It was called Blink. So just thought I would share that. Anyway, my number two was the preaching, the less than subtle message I, I get we want to save the planet. We should save the planet, but I don't need the doctor to be condescending. And that was poorly written doctor condescending. So that's my number two was the less than subtle messaging. All right. Lee Shackelford, your number one thing that you did not like. Uh, and not to hammer on this too much, but 
Orphan 55, all of it. <laughs> and, and, and while we're talking about writers, I want to point out this was not written by Chris Chibnall, written by Ed Heim, who, and this is, this is Ed Heim's fourth script produced for television, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is, this is not a veteran. This is somebody who is getting an opportunity to, you know, throw things at the wall. Well, okay. It, but Chris Chibnall is still the showrunner and there has to be somebody in charge to pull the reins in and, and to say, what Hang you on. Want. No, there has to no, a good showrunner. Oh, I know that. I'm, I was it has to. Oh, well, yeah. But exactly. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Yeah. No. They they have to to say you, you can't spend the last five minutes of the episode telling the audience that if they don't act now, then <laughs> then our planet is going to be inhabited by by monsters. That's <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, and it's not it's not even good. Uh, it's not even science. It's not even good practice. If, if you're trying to scare people into something, it, that doesn't even make any sense because it's not true. So, do, you know, it, it just uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, Ed Heim, um, you know, there you go. Orphan 55. So that's my my number one dislike for the season. So, All right. So Clarence Brown. Your number one disliked thing of series 12. I think my number one disliked thing, it might be yours too, Cal, but it takes place in Orphan 55 and it is a particular character with the name of Hyphen. Um, (laughs) God, I forgot about Hyphen. Yeah. In a season where you're putting all these huge production values all across the board. Really? To me, other than the Cyberdrome, I think this is the worst visual aspect of the season, in, in, in my humble opinion. It's just, uh, why? Why? Yeah. I don't get it. Okay. What if you swap them out? What if uh, the people, their their host, when they got to uh, Orphan 55, was a Cyberdrome? <laughs> now, that would have had us talking. And, and, no. and if what was attacking the uh, the last remaining humans, <laughs> lasers coming from her eyes, was uh, hyphen. Uh, that would have been awesome. We need to be a giant hyphen, uh, giant, you know, like a lot of Power Rangers or Kaiju style. Stay puff marshmallow man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we want, we want Kaiju hyphen for. This. I'm down for that. <laughs> oh, all right. So, guys, are you ready for my number one most disliked thing about series twelve? Let's have it. Two words for you. Series twelve. <laughs> no, 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 no. There are things in series twelve that I dislike. What I do not like about Series 12 is Chris Chibnall. (laughs) So, Lee, you called it. You may have both called it. Well, it it, it just makes you want to go back and watch Broadchurch again, doesn't it? Because I loved Broadchurch. He's so brilliant, which just makes you wonder, "Ah, what's going on? So maybe the problem is just because you are a fan of something. Okay, I'm a fan of Doctor Who. I'm a very, 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 very amateur writer. I could come up with stories, but I have no clue. Ed Heim would be making Oscars around me. Just because (laughs) I am a fan of something does not mean I should be in control of that property. And so I give him credit, and he was brilliant in Broadchurch. But maybe having his own characters that he can create without the subtext of there's all this history because he comes across in his interviews, every freaking interview that I've read with him as 
I know how to do things. I know better than you. I'm mm. doing it my way and blah. Interesting. Mm. Sound like the Vin episode. Just Be- Vin, yeah, Vin. Uh, real quick, I want to bring up another franchise that this guy, he was a huge fan. Him and his kids loved it. And um, he directed a movie. He's a director, a respected director. He directed a movie. I think he wrote it as well. And the movie bombed terribly. And that's M. Night Shyamalan. He did this movie called Avatar, which is an adaptation of the Nickelodeon animated show, which was beloved. And it's terrible. Terrible. So, you know, you're probably right in your assumption there. Well, I remember Avatar as in I don't usually watch that type of stuff. But I know exactly what what you're talking about because I watched some of it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm talking about the cartoon, you know, and I, I and and so you're right. You you may be totally right, but but see, the reason I've been kind of hitting on some of the things that I've been focusing on as we've been going through this is to make a couple of points. The reason I say about Joe Martin's doctor is one of the things that I, you know, what is the episode that I liked the most, and I said that that was something that started changing canon. Well, Stephen Moffat changed canon spoilers with the uh, revelation of the war doctor, but it was done in a way that was, to me, made it embracing this. It didn't seem like you had a person that is sailing the entire ship, and it felt like Chibnall knows what he wants to do as an outline. He's hiring all of these other writers for whatever reason. To come in and write episodes, but there's no feel of connectivity around mm. the entirety of it. It just seems hodgepodge to me. Oh. He, he, he's even mm. gone so far as to say when he first took the job that he didn't want to be called showrunner because he wanted to have a writer's room feel as opposed to having someone in charge. Well, I'm sorry. That's Some, right. Something that what he said. Yeah. with 60 freaking years of history needs somebody in charge. Otherwise, you're going to be having conversations like we're having right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah you remind me of the old joke that a, a camel is a, a horse designed by a committee. <laughs> you know? So this may be the season that is, you know, was a fine show designed by a committee. Uh, yeah, I I have known over the years some of the men, and uh, I wish that I had known Dorothy Fontana, but I, I I knew some of the men who wrote for the original Star Trek series, and every one of them that I ever had a chance to meet and talk to, yeah, except David Gerald, they were pissed because Gene Roddenberry would rewrite their work, that they would they would have a script accepted. And, and have, you know, the copies would say final on it. And then they would see what was on the air and doggone it. He had rewritten, you know, changed the ending, changed characters, you know, he'd done all kinds of things. Interesting. But, and, and so they, they were mad at him forever. But think about the consistency of Star Trek, of the original Star Trek series. Yeah. You know, that's where it came from of him saying, you know, you're not a writer for my show. You don't, you know, this is a great story, but let me just make it Star Trek. Let me just, you, you don't quite understand, Mr. Spock. Let me do this. And yeah, it hacked off these writers, but we got a series that for the most part uh, had people behaving in a, a, a consistent fashion. And, you know, you, you, so you could have running jokes. You could uh, <laughs> have things yeah. where you go, oh, I know what that character is going to do because this is what they always do. You know? and, and that's why. If you're not – so I'm, I'm backing you up, Kyle. I, no, it's I know an you example. Are. It's an example of the, of the strong hand on the tiller. It's, 
So I'll give you another example of what you just mm-hmm. said. Mm. We we talked about when we were reviewing the RTD era, we started with Rose and we made reference in Rose. You can go back. I think it's episode 90 of this podcast. And we make reference to Idiot Mickey. And we say, just mm-hmm. wait and see how the character progresses between That's his right. first appearance and his last appearance. This is a subset character. This is not a companion. And we are so invested in character that we are talking about his art as this wonderful thing. That's what we're missing here. Interesting. And, you know, it, it would have been inconsistent with the rest of uh, Russell G. Davis' work if he had written this character who is going to be essentially useless, you know? So we can tell from the beginning that this is his plan, that Mickey's going to be scared, he's going to be shy, he's going to be ineffectual, so that he's got room to grow. Mm. And and he did it. He did it. Yeah, and and it seems like they've attempted to do that with Ryan. Um, Yeah. They've done a decent job of him, he and Graham, coming together Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of the first uh, season of series 11. But, you know, yeah, she's getting a little bolder is pretty much all the mm-hmm. <laughs> growth we got from her. So, yeah, I, it's only been two seasons, though. So I don't. Yeah. But mm. have we have we said the word dyspraxia in this season at all? No, absolutely not. So I, he doesn't have that anymore, I guess. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You, you look at, and I keep using Bill as a character, but there were like little moments with her where the last thing that she says before they go off to the final battle, so to speak, is where she says, you know, I like people my own age and I, you know, like people, <laughs> basically, I like females too. And he was like, yeah, I know that. And she says, I'm glad you did. Something, just a little small line, but it was just things that were endearing. And for whatever reason, I just don't think Chibnall has the and I'm not saying the capacity I loved Broadchurch but I his approach to Doctor Who is something I think that is alienating because I think under RTD under Russell T I mean under Moffat I think the timeless child I would be running around saying this is the greatest thing that ever happened to Doctor Who the same hmm. way I did with the war doctor yeah Hmm. Interesting that's, point. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my number one, and that's my diagnosis. Is what's where my <laughs> diag- my disconnect has come from is Chibnall. And one other thing, I did go by Barnes and Noble on my lunch break today just to see what Doctor Who stuff was out there. The new Doctor Who magazine that was on the shelf. I read it or thumbed through it. There was a Chibnall article, and he made a statement in there that said Doctor Who is not the same show. We shouldn't make the same show we made 15 years, 10 years, five years ago. This is a new Doctor Who for a new audience. Okay, get over it. It, It's the same audience to some degree. uh, Well, (laughs) yeah, I was going to look at the the flip side of uh, what they're doing at Star Trek with Picard. It's not the same show by any means, but it seems like people are pretty much accepting it. It has those ties to the past. So what makes that so different than what we have here? I think mainly because we're just expecting it to be. Uh, it's not so far removed to where you can do something so drastically different. You know, I think 
the connective tissue between the doctors makes you is primed to make you want to get more of what you got before in in a slightly different version, slightly different sense. But when you do something so radical or like you said, just said different writing, the writing style is totally different. I can see how that can, you know, turn people off. Okay, let's be positive. Let's end on a positive note. And the positive is what are the top three things that you like about Series 12? And I'm going to start off being positive. And my number three is the semi-return of the cold opening. Very cool to see that back. Yeah. All right. So, Lee, number three. What was your number three? Captain Jack Harkness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Clarence Brown. Number three. Uh, I've already said mine, but it's... uh. Can you hear me? Uh, that episode was everything in that episode. And ma- well, not everything, mainly the message we get about relationships and talking to somebody when you're going through something. Definitely um, something that really hit home with me and something that's from that episode that stayed with me since, you know, the antagonist blah. Uh, but but definitely the overall message of talking to people in relationships is, is what I really loved about it. Well said. And I, I like that, too. My number two is The Master. Mm. Brilliant. Absolute, fantastically brilliant actor. Brilliant master. He hit 10 out of 100. I mean, 100 out of 10. <laughs> he was amazing. So as I, as you guys picked on me for last time, I'll say it again. All hell, The Master. So <laughs> praise to The Master. It was just a surprise. That's all. And it was a surprise. <laughs> and it was a good surprise. <laughs> Lee Shackleford, your number two. Getting to see Tesla, Edison, the Shelleys, Ada Lovelace, Noor Khan, and Lord Byron. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do always love the historicals, and, and this was a great season for them. So It really was. Yeah. All mm. right. Number two, Clarence Brown. The master. <laughs> Yay. Sasha Dewan. Such a freaking joy. I love Eric Menacee and him on screen. He's my favorite master. Um Hey, just, say something just, nice. I, <laughs> he's my favorite, man. Um, I loved how he portrayed the brokenness of what was going on with him in, the, in this series. Love how he was able to convey that to me. And again, like the horror of um, his greatest enemy being you know, him, being him coming from being a part of his greatest enemy. So, yeah, uh, I just thought he was fantastic in this series and love every minute of it. All right. My number one is going to be evidence that I could accept the timeless child, the change of the <laughs> canon. So my number one is in- introducing Joe Martin as the doctor. <laughs> Hands down, she sold me on the words, I, you know, hello, I'm the doctor. <laughs> I, I, I was on board with her immediately at that moment. I, Loved her as the doctor and for the, and I'm going to give her a big, humongous compliment. There has only been one other character that I have been like, I can't wait to see another episode whenever that episode might be that this character might pop up. The only other time I can ever say that I've ever felt like this is with River Song. And I am by her version of the doctor, the same way I am about the possibility of seeing River Song. She connected with me as the doctor that much. Kudos to her, Joe Martin, or to you, Joe Martin, because you did an amazing job. 
So, and the fact that they kept it secret too. Yes. I mean, yes, yes, yes that's yes. a great reveal. Yeah. Yes. And let me say one more time. She was, oh, I can't wait to see her again. Brilliant. That's my number one. And I'm being as, I mean, I'm seriously being positive. Loved yeah. her as the doctor. Lee Shackelford, number one. Lest we forget Jody freaking Whitaker. I just, I, she has gotten more cool things to do this year, but the way she does them. And, and I, 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 there were a lot of people last year who were saying, I'm still waiting for the moment when I feel like she's the doctor. And I feel like we got it in Spyfall and it was, you know, full speed ahead from there. I have loved her doctor this, even in the scripts that were weakest, even when things were puzzling and I didn't understand them. I love her, her talking to herself. I love her motor mouthing and then realizing she's doing it and then carrying on to do it anyway. I, yeah. I just, there's just so many little character quirky things, uh, that I just love. She's, She's made me like the short pants. I, you know, I just, hey, let's not go too far here. I just, um, especially because we got to see her wear some some different uh, outfits this time. So you know, sort of from the Barbie doll point of view, that that was great fun to do some dress up with the doctor. But uh, yeah, I just really felt like she was the doctor. So that's my number one for the season. Is just her. Cool, cool. So I'm going to. So, so I want to end before we do our, our, our go around the room and say, where else can we be found on the internet? I want to get, did give, we get Clarence's quote? Oh, did, did we? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, uh, we didn't. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Cla Clarence, what, what about you? What was your number one? My number one is probably the most controversial thing of this season. And that's the reinvention of the doctor. You know, again, like while it's potentially fan dividing, I, I, I liked it. I liked it. You know, it had so many problems to where it sits sit with sits with canon for most. But I love taking that question about who can be the doctor uh, out of out of the fray, and you know, from a character and actor's point of view, it, I think it really expands what the doctor can be. And you know, there's a big gap there, but I'm sure we're gonna get that laid out at some point in the future. But yeah, I, I just loved um, reinvent, reinventing who the doctor was. I thought that was really exciting for me. And again, I know it's fan breaking on, on yeah. a lot of ends, yeah. but you know, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> so I want to end and I want to be, I want to actually give Chibnall a positive vibe. And, you know, I know I've kind of like been Chibnall hating for the entire episode, which I really was, but I do want to say that it is under his reign as showrunner slash whatever he wants to call himself that we do get the Joe Martin doctor. We do get the master that we got this series. And following up on what you just said, Clarence, that stigma of, well, there's never been a black man that's been the doctor. There's never been a black woman who's yeah. been a doctor. There's that's never right. been a An oriental girl. Yes. Yeah. You know, all of well, that is out the door. It's done. Yeah. It's been there, done that. So for that now right there, stories. <laughs> brilliant. You know, find something else to say the doctor can't be because yeah. right. the doctor has been. And for that, I think I'm going to say my hat's off to you, Mr. Chibnall. He did also give us pating. What is yeah. wrong with me? So why hadn't y'all said that before? Pating. It, it, it just hit me. <laughs> Okay, 
uh, for everyone listening, just take back everything I just said, <laughs> erase it from your memory, pick up one of those worms that take away your memory because well, yeah. patine. Yes. Also, dinosaurs on a spaceship. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Angels take Manhattan. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I do know? I do know that I have a question, Lee Shackelford. Where else can you be found on the Internet? I keep pushing people towards my uh, currently on hiatus podcast, but uh, we're coming back. Coming back better Yay. than before. And that is at RelativityPodcast.com. Awesome. So that's awesome. it for me. Clarence Brown, where else might you be found on the internet? Direct people over to DiscussingTrek.com, where we talk about all things Trek. And as of, as of late, we're talking about Picard, of course. So if you're into that, uh, check out some knuckleheads. Have a little fun talking about a show we all love. <laughs> all right. So for anyone who is fans of comic book and television and movies that focus around comic book type characters, check us out on DiscussingComics.com. And Clarence, you and I did a recording with our friend Ryan Kent this weekend that will be out soon where we reviewed HBO's The Watchmen. So be looking for that. And again, discussing comics.com. So gentlemen, this has been fun. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to kind of work through my issues. I appreciate it. And <laughs> always a pleasure. So for everyone listening, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?